Welcome to Kingdom Builders, where you can learn to live on mission for God. If you want to see more people saved and increase your impact on the kingdom of God, this is the place for you. Every week, we will have guests who are actively living on mission for God, and you will hear practical advice on how you can become better at sharing Jesus with your world. Thank sure. you for listening to uh, Kingdom Builders, where we discover how to live on mission for God. Uh, today, we have a very special guest with us, uh, Chad Merrill, who's a pastor of uh, North Rock Hill Church and also a great friend of mine. So, Chad, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Matthew, man, I'm pumped to be on here. Thanks for asking me. All right. So, uh, Chad. I know some people probably think that uh, as pastors, everything goes great for us. And, you know, we've always had a great life with no problems, but uh, I know that's not true. You know, that's not true. And uh, so how did you keep the hard times and the valleys of your life from causing you to lose faith in God? Well, I think it's a great question because I think it's a question that everybody I know is wrestling with that knows Jesus. And so I would love to tell you that I did that. I can't tell you that I did that. You know, there's yeah. a huge, huge section of my life where I was kind of done with church, especially, and uh, just kind of was living my life like God and I weren't on speaking terms, you know, like mm. I was pretty mad at God. I was, uh, um, I honestly felt a lot of guilt and shame, felt disqualified. And um, I think what really what really happened for me, and, and this, this is what makes me so sad about what we see in culture right now with so many young adults leaving, leaving the church, the whole deconstruction movement, is um, I, I worry that they're not really leaving the church. They're leaving the idea of church because they've never really been in it. Mm. And what happened for me was, man, things just got to the point where um, I knew that it was good for my children to be in church because of the kind of people that would be around them. Right. There was there was still part of me that was um, was fond of the things of the Lord and, and had some conviction. And so um, I just decided to trust a couple people that seemed really interested in my life. And to be honest with you, Matthew, man, they they didn't misuse my trust. They they really loved me when I needed them. Mm -hmm. I mean, my life was broken. It was it was it was just it was so, so hard at that time. And if if I look back, I can trace the hand of God through the people of God. And that's what really built my faith is I decided, man, if, if the people of God are about his business, then he must be the real thing. Cause most people have, have, uh, have not been that way, you know? And so guys like Kirk Belmont, a guy like Dave Dennison and his wife, Amy, these folks that when I lived in Pennsylvania, just loved me well and prayed for me like crazy. And meanwhile, back in Virginia, my mom, who's a prayer warrior, Matthew, she just kept, she just kept praying every morning. She would pray that little section of Romans 8. You know, we love Romans 8, 28, that everything's going to work out for our good, right? Right. But she, she prayed 26, where it says the Holy Spirit will intercede when you don't have the words. Mm. Because she's just like, God, I don't know what to pray for him, but you do. So right. intercede. And I think. I think it was the faith of other people that 
that propped my faith up for a little while when it was weak. And then over time, man, like there, people ask me this question a lot, Matthew, because my story's nuts. But uh, I think there was just a fundamental time when I came to realize that the way I'm living just, it just isn't doing much more for me than short-term gains, right? Right. And so I just decided, God, I remember the things that you said. I see the life of my parents and these people that are faithful. So I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'll, I'll do the next right thing. Every time you put it in front of me, I'm just going to take one step at a time. God, please, please don't make it too big of a step. <laughs> and man, like he did that. And so uh, I think when people ask me that question, they expect like this big dramatic answer about this, this like big um, Abrahamic moment where, you know, right. God, God gives the ram and spares my life or something, you know, <laughs> but really it was a million of those little tiny things at a time. And just realizing that as God was being faithful in those other people's mm -hmm. lives, he was being faithful in my life too. And then really connecting the dots that man, he'd kind of always been you know, even when I wasn't, he was. And so it was his faithfulness and the faithfulness of his people that really led to me making that big, bold statement. I'll do the next tiny thing you want me to do. And then I'll just keep doing that. And you string enough of those together. And all of a sudden I've been to Louisiana. I've been to now I'm in South Carolina. I'm a pastor. I don't, I can't believe it, but right. it, it was like this much at a time. I'm holding up my fingers like really close together. It was this yeah. much at a time. And I think that's it. Well, I mean, that, that's a good point. You talk about those those little moments, and it's like when you read the Bible, you talk about Abraham and all these uh, great people of the Bible. We're like, wow, they did great things. But like you're talking about, it really was just one little thing at a time. If we were them, we would probably be frustrated like they were a lot of times. But we, we really only remember the highlights of those situations. And uh, so sure. that, that is a great point. Um, so if, if we're somebody, you know, that maybe is loosely connected to church, not, you know, pastor or something like that, you talked about the importance of other people's faith uh, in your journey and helping you to take that next step. And so how, how do we how do we find those people? You know, where, where are they at? If we what if we say, well, I don't really know anybody. Yeah, man, I. I think that's sometimes really hard. Like I think guys who sit where you and I do, sometimes we forget that that's really hard. Yeah. And so here, when I did that, I was a, a 20 something guy who had some kids. I was divorced. I, I, I'd been through a lot, you know, and, right. but I knew, I knew the Lord and I knew a lot about the word of God. And so sometimes I would go to churches and they would try to like win me to Christ before they even asked me if I knew him. Mm. And so like, at first I thought, I don't, I don't want to do this. This is really like, why do people make this so weird? I'm just here trying to do what you're doing. And, <laughs> and, but here's the thing, like I could have stopped then, but I knew that they were just trying to help and, and they didn't know me yet. And so I, I showed them some grace. So I think nah. that's the first piece is like, show some people some grace when they try to get in your life. Cause most of that awkwardness is like us giving them the Heisman pose, right? Like, Hey, keep your distance. Yeah. But then second is like, um, I think just keep showing up mm. and, and find that one person that when they ask you a question and you think, and because they're showing you that they care, like give them a chance to show you that they care. Like don't tell them your whole story all at once, but maybe give them a little bit of it and see how they handle it. 
Right. And then when they don't misuse that or it doesn't turn into gossip or they they call you back anyway or they invite you to lunch or like give them a little bit more and just let the let the relationship build. I I think sometimes we want to jump in and it just is perfect all at once and we forget no relationship builds that way. Yeah. But also, I think like nobody's coming to find you either if you're hiding, man. When you show people you're hiding, you're kind of showing them you're over here. You don't need them, right? Right. And so when we just kept showing up, I think it really gave people um, a familiarity. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, they see us, they see our, see my kids, they see that I'm by myself. They're kind of learning my story just because I'm showing up. Right. And and then they start you know, coming my way and, and, it, and it becomes good. So I, I think just being real about who you are and real about how, how relationships work is so important, man. We complicate it so much sometimes. Well, that's good. Just keep, keep showing up. And, and that, that's a good litmus test to give people just a little bit at a time to know that, that you can trust them. And, and obviously, yeah. uh, and if they're trustworthy, then they're not going to share it all over the world, but they'll, they'll help you along there. So um, obviously sure. not everybody, you know, says, Hey, I would just love to be a preacher. You know, <laughs> uh, not everybody says that, even though people say we only work one day a week, but uh, yeah, so right. what led you to go into the ministry and also what steps can people take to know what God wants them to do? whether that's ministry, whether that's teaching, whether that's being a lawyer, whether whatever it is. Yeah. Oh man. Um, before I want to say one more thing about your previous question, just real okay. quick, it just pop, popped in my mind. You know, I didn't stick at the first church I visited. Really? You know, like I went to two or three before I found my people. Yeah. And so like in the church, we love to think we're a church for, for everyone. Mm. And, and, and like, we're not your church, my church are wildly different. So Correct. some folks will be comfortable at one or the other. And so I think it's like, I wish I'd said this in the original question. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, assuming that all are the same. Right. Mm. And, um, and so like try a couple, keep showing up, but maybe you need to be honest. Like this is not my place or this is not yeah. a, and not from a consumer, like, like I'm grading everything about the service, but just, about are the are, are are the people that I that I usually find myself relating to are those the kind of people here? Because while every church says everyone's welcome, no church is a church for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's right. why there's so that's why there's so many of them. But uh, to uh, so anyway, back to your question. So I never meant to be a pastor, man. Like in fact, one of the most defining things about me for most of my life is I was not going to be another Merrill man in the ministry, <laughs> and. Uh, so my dad's a pastor, my brother's a pastor, my grandfather was a pastor, I have uncles who are pastors, it was just like, I didn't want that. And mm -hmm. um, uh, so I decided I was going to be one of those guys in the church who was going to be a businessman who made some money and held you know, kind of an, a, a, one of the guys that hold up the pastor's right. arms, I'm gonna be, be a great lay leader in the church. And so I never wanted to be but in that in that moment that I told you about a minute ago, that happened in, in the inside my truck actually in 1990 uh, or 2007, rather um, that moment of repentance where I said, God, one step at a time, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll do the next right thing. Um, like over time, I just kind of found myself discontent in a lot of the things I was doing uh, in industry. I was really good at it. I was operations manager, plant manager, all these things, making good money, had a great career going, but, there's just a lot of it that just 
felt like stress. It didn't feel like energy. Mm. And so I, I started hearing guys like Ken Coleman on the Entree Leadership Podcast and guys like Craig Rochelle, different guys talking about find your passion because energy and attitude are indispensable in, in making a difference. And I started thinking, well, man, the things that give me life are when I can help people um, through tension or through yeah. uh, problems in their life. Like, kind of like we did with you with the revitalization cohort. Right. You know, that, that's who I am. And I started really understanding that. And then the meanwhile, people in my life started speaking into my life. Like I remember at one of the darkest days of my life, that, that man I mentioned earlier, he and his wife, David and Amy Dennison, praying over me a prophetic prayer, God, this man doesn't even know that one day he will pastor your people. Wow. And I'm like, y'all are crazy charismatics, right? <laughs> but it planted a seed, you know, and then just faithful time in the word, faithful time around people, God's people affirming in me what they saw in me. And then, so then somebody asked me to share my testimony. Somebody asked me to speak at a men's retreat. Nobody, nobody ever asked me to preach. They knew I didn't want to do that. So they always asked me to speak, right? Speak, yeah. And, uh, and so I would do these things and it would go well and God would move. And, and then they asked me, hey, you're an organizational dynamics guy. Would you help us fix the Celebrate Recovery ministry at First West? Right. So I went in trained the team and started doing some things. And I kind of never left. I never really meant to be the CR pastor, but I became the CR pastor. Yeah. And God just little by little gave me a little bit more until one day I'm sitting in John Avant's office, the former pastor at um, First West. And he'd been trying to hire me for two years and I didn't want to do any of the jobs he ever wanted me to ask me to do. I was like, yeah. why would I do that? You know, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And, uh, he tells me they're going to, they're going to, there's a church that's dying in Sterlington, Louisiana, and they're going to merge with this church. And he thinks I should be the campus pastor because he thinks I can lead them back to health. And, and there was just something that happened inside of me that was like, that's the next step. Mm. And so it didn't feel like a huge step, but, wow. in the, also, but also in the meantime, like behind the scenes, there was, there was a growing like uh, unsettledness in me about where I was and where I was headed in my career. And people were affirming that too. Like, and I was seeing it, my wife was seeing it. And it was just, it just kind of all came to a head at the same time as I was praying for a next step. And, and it just seemed like this was it. And so as I've gone through that, that's kind of how it's been. So when I came to South Carolina to be a lead pastor, I couldn't believe they let divorced guys be lead pastors in Baptist right. churches. Right. But, um, it was just that same thing. It wasn't, I loved first West. I had a great gig there. I was, you know, I was doing the things we did with you guys and for the Louisiana Baptists and for uh, multiply Neela and all those things. I had a great uh, influence in the state was had a consulting business on the side that was going well, but there was just this constant unsettledness about God's doing something in me that I'm not, that has to come out. Right. And, uh, and so it was a mutual friend of mine in North Rock Hill church that called me and it was just a, through constant prayer and constant openness and listening to the people of God in my life as they affirmed the things I was feeling or gave language to those tensions in my heart led to some conversations that led me to hear. It was just a little bit at a time through all that. That's, that's, um, that's good. You know, it's always uh, difficult to go into, into something, something new, you know, and, uh, and I can, I can remember, you know, I, I didn't want to be a preacher either. You know, I'm not sure if, I don't know anybody who really wants to be a preacher. I mean, every preacher story <laughs> starts with, hey, I didn't want to do this. 
God helped me do it. And now I just love it to death, you know? And, uh, and, and that's uh, kind of my same story. I remember my mother telling a story about uh, when I was a baby, she would go to the nursing home and there was like this hundred year old lady. And uh, one day she was visiting her and, and this older lady was holding me, you know, and, and that older lady looked at me and told her, said, well, your son is either going to be a doctor or a preacher. And so I didn't get the doctor gig, but I did get the pastor <laughs> gig, you know. Uh, but, but so uh, we all struggle with, with what we are uh, going to do next. But in, in your experience, how can we prevent our past from stopping us from pursuing what God wants for us? Because sometimes we, we feel like, well, you know, I, look at all this stuff that, that I've done in the past. Look at what I've done. I'm, I'm just not good enough, you know. And, and I even hear this a lot of times from people that, that don't come to church. You know, they feel like, well, I, I mean, how can I go to church or how can I do this for God when I've done all, the, I've got all this baggage, all this, this bad stuff behind me? Man, um, isn't that just a question we all wrestle with, right? Right. Uh, I think the simple answer is we preach the gospel to ourselves daily. Mm. And, um, and so like we, I have a lot more grace for other people than I do for myself. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think, I think the, the, the universal problem we all have is our separated stance with God. You know, there's separation between us and him because of sin in our life. And we just have a hard time believing that he can fix that without our help. Right. And Correct. because our, because our second biggest universal problem is our pride. And uh, yes, we think we're way more important to people's world than we are, I think. And, and so for me, man, it's just a constant reminder that like, and it's obvious to me, I, I just like, for me, it's obvious. God did this. I didn't do it. Yeah. And I think the, one of the secrets that I wish more lead pastors would talk about, and I try to talk about it a lot is I am reminded at least twice daily that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. There, there's people that walk into my office with problems I've never seen before. Uh, there are passages that are next in line for me to preach, and I don't even know what they mean. You know, <laughs> like, I, th this happens all the time. And so there's a constant reliance upon God that, that should remind us that he's working in us and through us. But often we don't get past that, that, that first feeling. The first feeling is like, I'm going to fail. I can't do it. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I. And I think that's just a different kind of pride that we need to get over. Um, and I'll say it this way. Like I have no problem believing that Christ's death and resurrection was enough for your sins. Yeah. But often in how I approach God and how I think about my own inadequacies, it's almost like I'm telling him, yeah, but God, this time it was me. So that has to be a bigger deal. Right. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a little bit more time with it because it was me that messed up this time. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's on your, it's on your desk right behind you. I'm, I'm reading it now. That's, this is how you get through it. Christ alone. My hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, my comforter, my all in all here. I stand in the love of Christ. I mean, that, that has to be it. And, and I know it sounds cliche because it's so hard to take what you know and make it what you feel. Mm. Dude, one tiny step at a time, just trusting that God would show up and be honest with myself that I needed him to show up has taught me that man, he's with me. He's with me. And so he has redeemed my past. 
And so the other side of that is when I really pay attention to my ministry, Matthew, like this podcast is a great example. Um, my ministry is stronger because of my past, not weaker because of it. Mm. I, I regularly get to talk about what God's done in my life, and it resonates with people who are living where I was 10 years ago or where I tend to go in my mind from 10 years, 15, yeah. not 10 years ago, more like 15 or 20 now. But, um, you know, I can't tell you how many times somebody walks in my office and they go, Pastor Chad, you're never going to understand what I'm going through, but let me tell you my story. And then they tell me like their version of my story. And I just wow. start laughing. Yeah. Cause God redeems that too. And so the majority of the people I get to share the gospel with are people who are walking through divorce, walking through addiction, walking through just hard, hard times where people who were supposed to love them, let them down. And I get to tell them, Hey man, that's my story too. Can I tell you how Jesus met me in my story? And, um, man, it's just, it, it becomes the thing that, that I can, um, I can praise God over, not, not resent him over or praise God over instead of feel shame over that kind of thing. He continues to redeem it again and again. Well, I mean, that, that's a great point, you know, and, and I think there's that, that new Testament idea of, you know, his, his strength is made perfect in, in our weakness, you know, and, and like he was talking about, a lot of times we feel like our weaknesses is what's holding us back. But, you know, that that's something that people can empathize with, you know, sure. and, and the people that we can probably reach the most are the people that have gone through exactly what what we have gone through and, and how God uses that. And and so uh, all of us, I feel like, would, would love to be the boss, you know. Now, the problem with being the boss is, like you got to deal with all the consequences. It comes back to you. But in reality, it doesn't matter if you're a teacher. It doesn't matter if you're maybe a lawyer, a businessman, a preacher, whoever it is. Uh, we all have someone over us, you know. And so uh, in, in your previous ministry, you were the, the campus pastor at, at First West, you know. So you had the, the lead pastor over you. And, and so how can we lead when we're not in charge? Great, man. I, I'll be honest. I didn't always do that well. Um, yeah. I, man, I've got a motor. Like I'm, I'm a driven guy, and sometimes I try to think. And I'm really impressed with my own ideas a lot. So, um, <laughs> I always have at least two bad ideas at a time. You know what I mean? So I'm with you. I'm trying to push a lot, and so I think there were times that I pushed too hard, honestly, and it probably wasn't helpful, or um, I failed to. Uh, recognize the difference between where he was leading from and where I was leading from, that there was probably inner information and perspective he had that I didn't have, or that the, the not just him, the, the you know, multiple people in, in the Correct. next layer of leadership. And so I think when I learned to get it right was when I learned to, um, to, to really, um, to really listen first, uh, mm. to, to listen to, to where he was coming from and to really believe the best about where my leaders were coming from. And then second, like what that did in me is it made me really want to help them win. And so if I was not sure about something, I, I found that I began to ask more questions and in asking questions, it gave opportunity to empower them to still lead, but also an opportunity for me to share my perspective from, from, you know, literally the other side of the parish, the, the you know, another, another context right. of our ministry. And so 
um, hey, what if what if we did this? Would that be okay? Help me understand. I need your help. Those kind of those kind of questions are empowering questions and clarifying questions, but they're not threatening questions, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing. Second thing is, man, when they let me lead something, whether it be a project or uh, or our campus or whatever it is, like I constantly reminded people that Michael was my pastor too. And so wow. when he would come speak, I always introduced him as, I want you to, I want to, I want you to give a hand to my pastor. I'm so, so glad we got from Michael Wood today, that kind of thing. Um, and then just really, um, really a lot of time, a lot of times was, um, was realizing that in, in the big room is probably not the, the place to, to ask hard questions of leadership and just ask them, hey, can, can we, can we talk in a sidebar after? There's a couple of things that came up that I have questions about. Give them some space and some time to think and give them some room to not be put on the defensive. But mostly I just, I just looked for the values and the, the, the agendas that they, were, that they were pushing forward that I was really excited about. And I tried to become an advocate for those things. And then the third thing would be, so I mean, listen a ton, um, ask questions in, in a way that affirms their leadership and empowers them to lead you. That's a submission thing. And then the third thing was, um, man, I just, I just wanted them to know um, that they could trust me. Mm. And so when they gave me something to lead, I tried to lead it well and give it first priority over my own ideas. Um, and then I guess the last thing was, man, I, I just prayed for him a lot. It's hard to be resent someone you pray for every day, you know? Yeah. Right. And, um, and, and, and look, even the things that we disagreed on at times, they weren't personal things. Those guys are still my friends and we can, we can have a conversation today. I think, I think they see that my influence in, in Sterlington and in first West was, was intended to be kingdom minded and for, for them to help them and so i wanted to be an advocate for them but also like i i think what was really cool is over time in in doing those things listening sharing perspective not not demands um, um empowering questions private conversations versus defensive conversations uh praising them praying for them those kind of things in doing those things it just opened up opportunities for us to be in the conversations that I felt like we needed to be having and they felt like we needed to be having, but from neutral ground, it wasn't lobbing rocks at each other. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think, I think those things are all helpful. Clay Scroggins wrote a really good book called leading from a second chair. And I would just recommend anybody who's in that spot to go read that book. It's really good. Well, that, that's a good, uh, that's a good, that sounds like a good book, good help there. Uh, so, you know, that, that's a good point about defensiveness, defensive questions, you know. And, and to me, what's amazing is this must be a good idea because if you look at the way Jesus operated, 90% of the time, he didn't throw these defensive statements out, of, out there, but he just asked a question, you know. I mean, yeah. when he did have the right, to call people out and tell them straight out. Sometimes he did that, but some a lot of times he would ask simply ask a question, and then that that they would be like, I don't even know what to do, you know. 
And uh, so I do like that idea of asking a question. And, and I feel like the times that, that I've asked a question, it, it works out a lot better, you know, than just say a, in an accusatory manner, look, this is what's going on. This is what's wrong. Um, and, and I like how you talked about, you know, allowing their win to be your win and just realizing that, you know, they're, they're not out to get you, you know, and they have a perspective that, you know, we don't have, and we have a perspective that, that they don't have. And so those are some good questions, you know, how, how can you help me understand this more? Maybe how can I do this better? And uh, so I like yeah, that. Yeah, I want to point, I want to point out too, like, when I started getting that right more often than I got it wrong, those guys actually gave me more room to lead. Like right. that, my, my influence began to expand, not diminish, which, um, and, and it, the, I think just to sum up, even what you just said a, a second ago, helped me rem, just really summarize what you're asking. I think it's okay to, to constantly carry with you the understanding that other people are way more, have way more expertise on their perspective than you do. Like you think, you know, why they made the decision. You think, you know, why it's not right or, 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 or who was in their ear or whatever, but you don't know. And so like, if you, if you constantly look at things as always black and white, it's either my way or your way, you're just always in conflict. But if, if you allow some things to be gray and leave room for, for the, for them to teach you and to be a learner, then not only do you do they benefit from your ideas, but you benefit from theirs. And so I learned a lot from Michael and Tim and and the people in leadership at First West and and from a lot of people in my past uh, in the times when I got that right. And I think when I got it wrong, it robbed me of that, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, that, that, that's a good point, you know. Um, and a lot of times we don't realize that you know, it, it turns out a lot better for us when we make friends instead of enemies, That's you know, true. I mean, so like, true. you can be right and gain an enemy, and it turns out worse than gaining a friend and being wrong, you know, um, and so that's very helpful, uh, so a lot of times in, in our life, you know, we, we want uh, to transition, so what do we do when we feel like we need to transition? Oh, man, <laughs> Um so when I first started feeling, I call it stirred up. I just kind of, I didn't know what to call it. I just knew that something was unsettled in me at first West. And it didn't make any sense because um, I was getting to travel all over, you know, three or four States and, and talk about revitalization and church planning. I was coaching pastors all over the state. I was preaching weekly. I mean, I, I had a great gig, man. I, I, it was really good. I had, it was kind of happening for me even from an outside perspective. And yeah. I thought, and so my first thought, Matthew was like, am I even allowed to feel what I'm feeling? Um, is, is, and I think that's an important question because what was really needed was for me to assess the motives of why I was feeling what I was feeling, because it would have been wrong if I was just wanting more territory for Chad, you know? Mm. So I didn't really tell anybody at first when I started feeling that stuff, but I started praying that God would clarify it in me. And, uh, um, and I prayed a Psalm 139 prayer a lot, like, God, you know me better than I know me. So show me the things in me that are offensive to you. Cause I don't want that in me, but I'm feeling all stirred up. Right. And so what happened was over time, my wife, um, uh, my friends, uh, the godly men in my life, they, they started speaking things into my life. It's like, 
um, they, they start saying weird things like, hey, have you ever thought about being a lead pastor? I'm like, man, that's not who I am, you know? <laughs> um, and they kept saying it. And uh, then one day out of the blue, I get a call from a guy who had been my coach. He lives in Nashville. He'd coached me for a couple of years, just a really high level leader that was helping me and consulting and different things like that. And he just called me one day, he said, Chad, there's a church in South Carolina that needs you to be their pastor. Oh, I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like that is, that is random. And, and people had started calling me. Nobody ever called me to be a lead pastor, but all of a sudden I'd re been reached out to by three or four churches and just th started, man, what is this? This is, this is, it was just new. It was, it was loud to me because it was coming from so many places. And so I called a mentor of mine in Las Vegas, a guy named Vance Pittman at Hope Church in Las Vegas. He, he's, mentored me from afar just by being available to me for years. And, and he connected me to a guy that he felt like could help. And so yeah, we did a 40 day process where um, he gave me some scripture. I, I, I've got up, he said, I want you to get up an hour early every day, earlier than you do. And I <laughs> want you to open your journal and you spend one hour in Proverbs three. And I was waiting for the rest of it. It was just that like every day for 40 days, Proverbs three. Wow. And I was okay. And then he gave me a, a, a list of books, read two of these books in the next 40 days and dedicate significant time to prayer in the evening. And um, then he said, I want you to take five guys in your life, none of them who live within 30 minutes of you. And I want you to ask them to pray for you every day during that hour. Um, and, and, and then if they, have a, if they have something that they feel is from the Lord have, that they need to call you, the only other time they can call you is to check on you and hold you accountable that you're doing what you committed to do. And so I just parked all my ideas and all my unrest for 40 days and just sought the Lord. And, um, man, I thought it was kind of a weird plan, honestly. Uh, but in 40 days, Proverbs three never got old. And I probably went to 13 other books of the Bible just from starting there and going other places wow. and really evaluating my, I filled up a whole journal. And um, it was rich, rich time for me in the word. And I needed that. And then those five men, godly men, um, when they called me, I knew it was from God because I didn't see them. We weren't having conversations. They live far away. And they spoke truth into my life, Matthew. Like I'm talking about calling out sin in my life. I'm talking about encouraging me and affirming me, um, speaking to my doubts and curiosities to where at the end of that 40 days, God could have called me to do almost anything and I would have done it as long right. as my wife would go with me. Right. You know, <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and so, and then nothing happened, man, like nothing happened. So I just kept serving where I was serving where I was serving where I was. And I think God used that final year um, to really build some humility and servant mindedness in me um, to the point where when North Rock Hill finally called me and offered me, to come and preach in view of a call. And I, and I told my pastor, it was one of the most affirming moments to watch Michael. It was kind of funny. He just, he just had surgery. I think he had his appendix removed or something when I <laughs> called him. So he's kind of laid up. It was, it was a hard, hard way to call him, but I just remember him smiling and saying, man, I've been waiting for this day. I've known you were ready for a long time. Right. Yeah. And so how can I help instead of how could you leave? It was, how yeah. can I help? I called Tim, my executive pastor. He was in another country on a, on a school trip with his son. And he just, I could hear him just smiling through the phone. 
You wow. know, Tim, he's got that big smile, man. He, I could hear it. He said, Chad, I'm so proud of you. Um, I'm not surprised by this. How can I help? And uh, I think God just used my posture to build in me a readiness um, that was rooted in, in learning to submit and to serve because I so readily lead, right? My personality is to lead. Correct. Yes. So he, I think he always leaves us away, away, leads us away from personality and our default to teach us to depend on him. And so he just kind of left me sitting in that unsettledness till I learned to submit to authority and, and to humbly depend on God. And so then when I was ready, I can't, we don't have time for this, another podcast, but <laughs> I mean, I had, I had two, two kids in high school, junior and senior, getting ready to start their junior and senior year. I had one in college, uh, two years from finishing college and one living in, in Monroe area. Uh, and so it's a horrible time to move. Correct. But we moved and, and the things I was so scared of for them ended up just being the places that God showed up the most in our family. Mm. And, um, man, he just, he just taught us like that, that little bit at a time, you know, be faithful enough to consider what I might be doing, be faithful enough to consider that I want to do something in you before I do something for you, be faithful enough to consider not leading to, to consider not getting your way, be faithful enough to consider your family, be faithful enough to consider moving outside of your timeline. And, um, and man, I just, I can't tell you how important it is on this side of that three and a half years later that he did that in our family. It was amazing. Well, and, that, and that's, that's great advice. You know, sometimes we just don't have any idea. We're like, God, this sounds crazy. But then we go through with it and we're like, wow, God actually knew what he was talking about. You know, uh, just real quick, uh, what would be your one piece of advice to people who are being faithful, they're doing what they're supposed to, you know, but it's like, there's, there's no fruit, there's no victory, there's no results. Like, how do you handle that? Two things. Um, I think uh, the big sexy words in successful podcasts and, you know, whenever, how do you chase success? They always talk Correct. about perseverance, right? Perseverance, perseverance. And, uh, and passion. And so I think both of those are good but I think they're selfish and they're sinful if they're not accompanied by patience. Mm. Um, and I think patience is, is, can be sinful and slothful if it's not accompanied by perseverance and passion, right? I think they go together. Correct. And so, so I think, you know, if you want to be a preacher one day, or you want to be a disciple maker, um, I don't think God's ever going to give you more until you're faithful in what you have now. And so what are you doing to apply your, your passions and your pursuits for the kingdom of God right where you are? And so for me, that looked like, hey, I, I'm not a lead pastor right now. I think that might be in my future. But, um, but being a campus pastor gives me margin to do some things I wouldn't normally be able to do. And wow. so I was able to help, help statewide. I was able to do things with you guys in the revitalization cohorts. I was able to, to lead and, and, and more importantly, to learn in those moments. Um, I also was allowed to preach, you know, so before I was the primary preacher deciding what we were preaching and deciding what would be next, um, Michael and, and, and the executive team gave me the platform to preach 
um, the, the, the things that they, that they were pushing through. So I, I got to learn how to craft messages and do that in a room with guys who had been doing it 20 years. And then one summer, you know, Michael said, Hey, would you be willing to set up the next three months of ser sermon series? And I was like, Whoa, oh, really? wow. okay. So I, I got to learn to do those things and I got to learn to do it in a room, you know what I mean? With people. Yes. And so, man, I'm so grateful for that now. So I think that's it, man. Perseverance and passion. Pay real attention to what gives you energy, what moves the needle for you. Persevere in the things that God is calling you to. Be obedient where you are. Be submissive where you are. And then allow your faith to bring patience. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that God will show up, man. It'll just build your dependence upon him. Well, you know, I, I think about in, in the Old Testament, God said, you know, I'm going to give you the promised land. But it points out, he's like, I ain't giving it to y'all at one time. It's going to be little by little because you can't handle it if I give it to y'all at one time, you know, and, uh, yeah. and I find that so true in my life and in everybody else's life. And like you talked about, you know, um, when, when you're faithful where you are with what you have, you know, that's when, that's when God, uh, he honors that. He honors that. Yeah. Now it doesn't happen as quickly as we want it to most of the time, you know, that's true. But, that's true. but it always works out. So, well, Chad, thanks for uh, coming on the show and uh, giving us of your time. It's really been a blessing. Man, thanks for asking those. Those are great questions. And it just, man, it, it's so good to hear my own voice, tell the story of how God's been faithful in my own life, man. Thanks so much. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you too. Well, thank you for listening to Kingdom Builders and discovering how to live on mission for God and have a great week. Bye.